Hello, residents of Maple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we're going to be talking about some news in Meeple Town. We're going to be reviewing Nova Roma, and Darren does not like Firefly. Thanks for joining us as we seek to build community through board gaming. This is episode 154. Residents of Meeple Town, that's not entirely true. <laughs> Now, here's the deal. Firefly, it's fine. I just don't get the hype. I don't get it. I've watched all the episodes. I've watched the the movie uh, or movies. I don't even know at this point. I don't even care. I don't understand the hype around Firefly, the games, the shows, the, the cult following it has. It's fine. It, it's, it's, a, it's a poorly written, poorly produced oh, sci-fi Western on a bad budget. And Dean and I were talking about this just by chance before the show, and now he had to bring it up and drag and attempt to drag me through the mud <laughs> on the meaning of this episode. I just want to make sure that I'm heard. It's fine. You ever been in a place or watched the news or something like that, and every word that they say makes you more and more angry, and you're just like, I don't think I can contain myself. I'm going <laughs> to break something or say some terrible things. That's where I'm at right now. Dean, I don't I even know to, what to do with all that. I had to force myself to finish the series. How do you feel about <sighs> that? Why did you even watch it then? Uh, other than, I guess, you probably had a lot of people that said, okay, even if you didn't like the show, watch the movie. It wraps everything up and you'll probably like it. So maybe that's why you finished it. See, I didn't even watch it until a couple of years ago. I totally missed out on it. D- didn't really care. But I, so many of my friends were like, hey, man, Firefly, you got to watch it. This is this is great. It was it was an abomination that they only had one season. I get why it only had one season. Oh, I wouldn't have made man. another season of that. Now, am I curious what happens later on in the story? Sure. Am I going to cry about it? No. Oh, serenity Dang. now. Ser- <laughs> serenity now. Multiple meanings there. Firefly <laughs> serenity. And also... My rage building up and <laughs> pulling from my inner Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm not even sure we can continue this episode. Dean's just, he's so red right now. He's as red as Santa's rosy cheeks. We, uh, uh, we may just have to call it. Well, speaking of fake news, we're going to be talking about some <laughs> news items today. A little bit later on the episode, which I'm pretty excited. We've got some, some big news. But now we got some games that we've been playing that I want to hear. I'm actually really pumped to hear about the game that you've been playing and uh, actually, tell you what, Darren, I'm going to talk about mine first because mine's going <laughs> to be right. less interesting than yours and there'll be a lot more buildup. How about that? <laughs> no question. Yep, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So recently got a play of a two-player game, uh, two-player implementation of a little game you might have heard of called Catan. You heard of this one before? Never heard of it. <laughs> So this is the Rivals for Catan, which is the card game and, again, two-player head-to-head game where you have a tableau of cards in front of you, and you're, each player is going to start off with these resource cards that have numbers attached to them, numbered one through six, so all the five resources plus gold, and then you're going to have roads and a settlement, okay? All right? All okay. All caught up so far? All right. I'm with so. You. What you're going to do on your turn is you are going to roll dice just like in Catan. By the way, I just I think I said one settlement. It's actually one road and two settlements. Well, now I've lost you again. I'm out. 
<laughs> you are going to roll two dice, and that determines the uh, value. And if you're going to get, uh, sorry, one of the die determines the value that you're rolling for your resources. So the value is one through six. If I have a an ore mine that has a one on it and I roll a one, well, I'm going to take an ore, which means I'm just going to turn my card to show that I have uh, another ore in my stockpile. You also have this uh, event die that you roll along with that. And that uh, a lot of times ends up giving you extra resources, but there's also a question mark that can pop up where you get like this event card that you flip over and something cool or bad will happen there. Uh, you are playing to get a certain amount of points, just like you do in normal Catan. And you do that by spending your resources to get uh, to build up settlements. You can build roads so that you can kind of expand your kingdom. You can't add on to your kingdom with new settlements and, and cities and all that without expanding your roads. The neat thing, though, about this is beyond just those settlements and cities that you're getting that are give, that are going to give you more and more resources because basically they're they're giving you new resource cards that will give you resources. But along with that, you have these cards in your hand that you can play above the settlements, above or below the settlements. Each settlement can hold one card above, one card below. Cities can hold two above, two below. And these are your building sites. And this is like an engine building piece. And there's lots of different things that you can get there. It might give you symbols that could potentially give you more resources when you roll that event die. Um, it could give you, um, uh, when, when a building next to it, when the die rolls, you can actually maybe get two resources instead of just one. So there's lots of cool things that happen within those different, uh, building cards that you have. And that's it. Again, you're trying to be, it's a race to get the, um, uh, what is it? Seven, seven points race to get seven points. And if you get there first, you are going to win and you can also get a victory point from other ways just like you can in Catan other than just your you know settlement and city so I played this Darren with first off have you played the rivals for Catan I have not okay so it is a game that I've had in my collection for a while but I wasn't sure who I was going to play this with because a lot of, uh, not a lot, some of my friends don't care. Jonathan, oh, uh, no, no, he's not a good example. Some of my friends don't just love Catan these days, okay? I think I Jonathan thought, does like it. I thought you were going to say, no, no, he's not a good friend. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not a good example. Okay, I'm, he's I'm back He's a great with you. friend. <laughs> I'm not a good friend because I don't play games with him enough, but, but he's a great friend and would probably play this game with me. But really... The the person in my house who I would most likely play it with is my wife, who does not care for Catan. <laughs> she had some bad experiences with this game early on in gaming and has never wanted to go back to it. But I talked her into playing this two-player version of it, and she wants to play again because hmm. she really enjoyed her experience. I also really enjoyed my experience with this one and glad that I picked it up. It was at, I think, Walgreens or CVS or something like that for a few dollars years ago. And I'm really glad I picked it up. And in fact, I want to pick up some of the expansions because what everything, there's there's expansions kind of in the box where you use cards beyond just the basic set. So your building cards are different. But then there's a couple expansions that add even more stuff and even more building cards that you can put in there. So there's a lot of variability in this game. Uh, I think, I think there is because I guess you're playing with the new sets, but you kind of use the same decks over and over again. 
but it seems like you can get a lot of plays out of each of the decks. And so I'm I'm curious to to dig into this one a little bit more if I can get my wife to play it like she says she wants to. But I, I was impressed. I like this one. So it says like on BGG that it's a re-implementation of um, Catan, the card game. Have you played that one as well? And how would you compare this to that and just Catan itself? Because, you know, I'm a big card game guy. If I can get a smaller version of a game with cards, I'd much rather do that than, you know, the, the granddaddy. How would you compare it to both of those two? Okay, well, first off, I've not played the other game, but it is my understanding. I could be wrong about this. I think it's basically the same thing. I think there's a couple of changes in there, but if it's my understanding that it's really close to that original okay. one, unless I'm mistaken. Um, now, when you compare it to regular Catan, it's interesting because one, Catan is a three to four player game unless you get the the expansion with that. And so that's one big deal with Catan is you have to have three players. And this one is a two player implementation. And so it's a very different game, very different because of those building cards. But it also has some of the same stuff going on. You know, you're you're rolling dice to get resources, but there's also other ways to get resources, which is kind of interesting. Um in in the way that the the event die uh, changes things and, and the way the symbols on the cards change things. It's, it's interesting. It's its own thing for sure. And I would say, you know, if I didn't play with my wife, I would say, if you don't like Catan, I don't know if you'll like this, but the reality is my wife doesn't like Catan and she did like this one and I mm -hmm. liked it too. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's got a place separately outside of Catan even if you don't love that. Now, if you just hate that mechanism of rolling dice to get resources, like you see in, um, what are some of like space space has that, what was the, uh, Machi Koro, some other games like that. If you really don't like that mechanism, I don't think this is going to change your mind about that, but I think it adds some extra elements that I think are interesting. Even if you're not, you know, totally enamored by the original Catan. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, uh, sounds interesting, and I'll, I'll put it this way. I would rather play Rivals for Catan than watch another episode of Firefly. Oh, my goodness gracious. How about that? I need to go cool off for a minute. That was Rivals for Catan, specifically the deluxe version, by the way. The only difference, I think, between deluxe and the regular is it comes with these plastic trays that you hold the cards, which honestly is really nice. It's not mm -hmm. that big of a deal, but it is nice to have those trays that have... Uh, that make it easy to get the cards out. I'll say that because there's sometimes you need to take cards out and shuffle them and things like that, even in the game. So having that tray is really helpful. Gotcha. Cool. I've, I've got to be honest, only listen to like half of what you were saying. I keep thinking about all the different comments. I'm going to get in the discord about this whole firefly storm you've started. So thanks a lot. Well, I mean, the show didn't make it Darren. So <laughs> there's a lot of people that probably feel the same way that you do. <laughs> if the at fits. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm also going to be talking about a strictly two-player game. This is one that I was super excited about and uh, couldn't wait to come out. This one was released here recently at Essen, and that is Jekyll and Hyde versus Scotland Yard. This is designed by, um, man, I've been practicing these names. I don't know if I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to do my best. Please forgive me. Gaton Bougenot, uh, Olivier Cyprien, and Gianil. You like my French accent there? Nailed it. Yep. First try. Art by the great Vincent Dutrait and published by Mandu Games. This is the sequel to 2021's Jekyll and Hyde, which you've played, correct? Correct. 
Um, the original was a two-player competitive trick-taking game. This is the two-player cooperative trick-taking game where you're working together to avoid, obviously, Scotland Yard. And this one is a campaign game. So there's 10 chapters, and those just come in a deck of cards. And uh, apparently, the first three chapters are basically it teaching you the game. And then chapter four is what is supposed to be the standard game. And then chapters five through 10 are advanced variants and twist on the game. So Cindy and I played the first two chapters last night. And each chapter gives you a really brief, because again, it's just, it's just a deck of cards. So you flip a card over, one card will have a brief paragraph of story telling you what's going on. And then the other, and the top side of the next card will have a few rules for that hand that you're about to play for that chapter. One of you is Jekyll, the other one is Hyde. And then you're also going to give four cards each to create a city deck. And that's going to be basically a third dummy player that you're playing against. And there's limited communication in this game. So while you're like playing cards, you're not supposed to talk uh, unless a potion card is played. And the potion cards react with the, the different colored suits in various ways. And so you can discuss then together how best to use that reaction. Sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negative. But um, but yeah, uh, like for instance, one of the things the potions can do is let you manipulate the the trumps or um, as far as like the ranking of the trumps because the trumps continually can be moved as you play this this hand, like which color is going to be stronger than other colors. Um, it lets you take uh, tricks from the the city. It lets you swap, it makes you swap cards with the city. There's various things that can happen with these potions. Again, we've just played the first two chapters. I want to do a more deeper dive into this, maybe a comparison with the, the original game here soon. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, even though we played it late, Cindy oftentimes will fall asleep on me when I'm trying to teach her a new game late at night after a long day's work. And she hung in there and she played and was even willing to play some more if I wanted to. So, um, so yeah, it was fun. It played quick. Um, for me, this was a, you know, in our past play purchase, this was a purchase. I'm very glad that I purchased it. If you like trick-taking games, I feel like this is, especially if you like playing two players, um, this is a little fun one to pick up. Mm. My hunch is I'll like this one better than than the other. Yeah. I and I like the will. other one. I think the other one's a lot of fun, but this one looks cool. The, yeah, the art looks fantastic. Vincent Dutre, obviously. Uh, the components are cool. And it has those similar elements of things happening with the different suits that you play and all that good stuff with the potions, with matching up with the, with the uh, suits. I, I, yeah, I like that. I think it looks cool. And what I'm hoping is, cause I've not played the first one. I now have the first one because I just, I just had to have the set and I wanted to play them because I feel like this is the kind of game where sometimes competitive is going to be fun. Sometimes cooperative is going to be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to playing that first one now and just kind of having both of those in the, in the arsenal. So, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Put it yep. on the pile. Literally <laughs> we, we have a list now, so you got to put it on that list and we can it, check that one out. That pile is over a page long. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we'll get there one day. That was <laughs> last time we played two games. So maybe not. <laughs> no, 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 it's going to happen, Dean. We're going to be old and decrepit, but we're going to be we're going to be playing these games. That was Jekyll and Hyde versus Scotland Yard. Let's get to the Meeple Town News. All right, Meeple Town. Now for some hard hitting news. 
First off, Brotherwise Games is expanding their reach into the Cosmere. That's the literary universe created by Brandon Sanderson. This time, they're headed to Skadriel, the home of Sanderson's Mistborn series where characters burn medals to unlock different magical powers. That's right, the Mistborn deck building game designed by John D. Clare is coming. It's on its way. Um, in this game, the players can control characters from the first Mistborn trilogy, which has a dystopian fantasy setting, in case you're unfamiliar with that. In the game, you're going to be purchasing cards to improve and customize your deck in order to defeat your opponents. You're also going to be burning some medals to unlock abilities, and it sounds like you can pair up certain medals to unleash special powers, just like in the books. Um, which, again, you've not read, have you, Dean? Nope. Loser. <laughs> not better than Firefly, I'll say that. <laughs> oh, no question. Um, we've talked about this somewhat before because Brother Wise previously published a game that I was jazzed about a while back. This was Call to Adventure, the Stormlight Archives, which is another series of books written by Sanderson that takes place in the Cosmere. And so the Mistborn deck building game is going to be coming to retail in the second half of 2024 and all Sanderson gaming nerds rejoiced. This was such a phenomenal book um a phenomenal series of books the the first one takes place in a in like i said that dystopian fantasy setting and then there's a second series that sort of takes place you know years 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 later in a western setting and i'm hoping that this one does really well that they come back with an expansion or second game set in that western world like a oh, space western no more like a western but with a little fantasy and magic going on it's but but mm. But it's also kind of a science based magic because you're burning metals. Dude, I'm telling you, it's super clever. Words cannot describe how clever this is. You, you just got to check it space out. Space Westerns are probably more clever than that. That would be. The, this by far, like Firefly, and this may be one reason why underlying all this, Firefly has dropped even further in my estimation because I've seen how well Space Westerns can be done with, you know, Mandalorian. Or I know that's a Disney budget, you know, or just how Sanderson can write this kind of fantasy Western. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Um, and I'm glad they're finally making a game of it. I hope it's good. I just went on to Google and typed in where to start with and then filled in Brandon Sanderson, which <laughs> is knows. which is what I was going to type in. Yeah. I was going to ask you and I was like, no, I'll just I'll uh, I'll trust the Internet on this one. To know where to start, and Mistborn apparently is the place to start. Yeah, that's uh, that's what the Sanderson site recommends. That's what uh, my buddy Phil recommended for me. That's where I started, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, good stuff. I I am intrigued by this. I know a lot of people are huge Brandon Sanderson fans. Um, yeah. I keep wanting to. I, my mind immediately goes to the Sanderson sisters, which is not <laughs> the same. I'm a big Hocus Pocus fan, so I, another movie. Fancies. I just. I just cannot stand. I just don't get the cult following of Hocus Pocus either. But enough of me hating on your stuff, Dean. Mistborn deck building game coming in 2024. What do you got? Speaking <laughs> of cult followings, let's talk about Lorcana because we don't talk about Lorcana enough. Which is, game? I don't even know what this is. This is Disney Lorcana, the trading oh, card game. One. Maybe you've heard of it. Hmm. This is the new set that is due to come out. I'll talk about win in just a second but the second set just came out i mean like this past week it's readily available 
And then in the same week, they made the announcement that this set was coming out, which I don't, I'm not a magic guy, but my guess is that's probably commonplace when people are like all excited and hyped up. And then it's like, oh, here's the next set. And then you, you know, you move on to that and you start studying that for the next three months and then do the same thing over and over again until you die. Let's look at what's different about this set. There's a couple things that I that really strike me as interesting. One is the properties that are going to be involved in this one. I'll start there. This set is going to include DuckTales, Tailspin, and Treasure Planet. I'm going to stop there for just a second and just say, boy, am I excited about that. Love some DuckTales and Tailspin. How can you say DuckTales and not go, woo <laughs> <laughs> There's no time for that, Darren. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. A lot of news to go through here. Please continue. <laughs> now I got to do it every time. So DuckTales <laughs> is, uh, I'm, I'm real excited about that. So new stuff, okay, which you're going to you're gonna see that. That's There's going to be a lot of that over the, the sets to come because there's so much, so much stuff in the Disney universe. So I'm excited about that. But the big announcement, I think the biggest announcement, is that you're going to have a brand new element, which are location cards. There's going to be location cards in this, which is really cool. Those locations are going to, they're going to go into your deck in like portrait mode. But when you put them out to play, it's landscape mode and they look really cool. There's not, as of us recording this, a ton of information that I've seen about that yet, but as people have referred to this game as like a Magic the Gathering light, I would imagine that there's elements of these locations that match up with the, uh, are, are they lands? Is that what they are in Magic? I've never played Magic, but I've heard people talk about lands, so my guess is that's what they are. Yeah, um, I don't, I've not played Magic. I hear planes. Is that a thing? Planes walkers. Like planes walkers, or is that something different than lands? Yep. This is not a Magic the Gathering podcast, so <laughs> we apologize for that. But my guess is there's some elements of this that are going to be similar to what has already been done in Magic the Gathering, which is fine. You know, I think that's great. And we've talked about that before that, you know, lots of people love Magic. This is a lighter version, apparently. And uh, with Disney stuff and new IPs in this, I love it. I love it. You've also got the, you know, all the stuff that they show with the um, playmats and all that good stuff. And so you've got a Moana playmat where she's overlooking the sea You've got a Stitch play mat because you got to have Stitch in every single set. Somebody is a huge Lilo and Stitch fan over there in the creative department of Robinsberger. And then in the starter decks, you've got the uh, Amber Emerald and Ruby uh, Sapphire. Um, and you see some of the, like there's a Peter Pan in there. You see some 101 Dalmatians and Moana and uh, um, Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. I actually, I like the art on the deck boxes in this one better than I did the last one. So if anything, mm. I might just pick up some of those deck boxes and sleeves maybe. This is true. I do like the the sleeves and deck boxes. I am excited about the Moana playmat. Moana may be my favorite princess movie. I am not very excited about the the properties necessarily. I know you love those. I'm not a fan really of either of those three. I mean, it's not that I don't like them. They're just They just don't get me. Excited you don't about, like Firefly, DuckTales, or Tailspin? I don't like DuckTales. I don't like Tailspin. I don't like Treasure Planet. I don't like Stitch. Stitch can stick it. Stitch. I don't know where, you know, why Robinsberger. So 
I'm just an angry old man today. Get off my lawn, people. <laughs> Treasure um, Planet doesn't really get me either. Um, but I, there, it's not that I hate Treasure Planet. It's just like I'm not. That's not one that gets me super excited. But there are a lot of people no. that love that. Yeah, I, I'm mean, again. I'm glad they're they're able to delve deep into all of the Disney properties that they have. And I think there's really going to be something for every Disney fan out there at some point. Well, there will be product produced. I'm not sure if there'll actually be anything available for the fans. And that's still my, my, my deal with, with all this, make your stuff more available people. Yep. Set one is all over the place. Now you can get it lots of places. Set two is a little more difficult to find for sure. By a little, I mean a lot, but (laughs) But we've already ragged on that a ton. More stuff. I'm interested in it. I, you know, the, again, the possibilities are really endless and get what you want. And I, I think I'm going to keep doing some of this Lorcana stuff and just kind of get it as I, as I want stuff, but not, you know, I'm not going to try to get every single set or anything like that, but I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued by this, especially with new mechanisms that make the game even better. That's, uh, that's a good thing. And did you say when it's going to release? Oh, that that was the other big part of this news. Sorry, I was about to move on. So the release into local game stores, into your hobby stores, is going to be February 23rd. The mass retailers are going to get this on March 8th. Now, Darren, remind me, what's what's significant about the date March 8th? In theory, March 8th is the same day that the FFG collectible card game Star Wars Unlimited is set to release. <gasps> let the drama ensue am i right yeah that could be interesting i hope uh uh, i hope star wars takes off um i hope both of them you know i i hey more stuff and i'm excited to get into the star wars it'll be interesting because i'm not going to pump in a ton of money to both of these so i need to figure out what i'm going to want to do yeah there again there's really apparently is only room for three ccgs in the world uh, Magic, Pokemon, and what, Yu-Gi-Oh! Those seem to always be the three, and there's always some that come and go on a regular basis. If any games, and again, I don't know how long I can sustain keeping up with these kind of models, but I do want a little bit of both of the Disney Lurkana and the Star Wars Unlimited just to have. I th- think they could be fun. There's lots of worlds to explore there. Um, I hope they make it. I hope that the companies make good decisions to keep these things in the hands of the people that want it, and, and I hope that... Uh, those that want it can keep keep going at it and maybe some of those top three can be dethroned at some point but we'll see maybe so well you got another big one that's going on right now too with alongside Lorcana, which is one piece i don't know anything about that one but it i think it's doing pretty well too so uh, yeah, maybe better sure. than Lorcana, but i by pretty well it means i have no clue but i hear it talked about a lot it could be doing much better than Lorcana. i really i don't know but there's a there's a bunch of them out there right now. It's it'll be interesting to see what what ends up coming out on top for sure. No question. All right. Um. Again, a few more things, real real quick. Uh, we want to mention to you because we think they're newsworthy, such as Nemesis Retaliation. This is the third and final chapter of the Nemesis Saga. Uh, it is about to finish up its game pound its game found campaign. In fact, as you're listening to this, um. The day that this episode drops is probably the last day this will be on GameFound. So if you're if you're unaware, Nemesis Retaliation, like its predecessors, is a one to five player semi co op sci fi horror game designed by Adam Kapinski and published by Awakened Realms. But unlike its predecessors, 
This standalone expansion focuses more on the experience of being the squad of Marines, that instead of waking up and finding themselves on a ship or a base not knowing what to do, they know full well what they are doing, what they're getting into. They are killing aliens. Think more of the movie Aliens and less Alien. So, so all the stuff you expect in these games is going to be here, but this is also supposed to have some streamlined gameplay and uh, a new exploration mechanism that's going to change up the board and how you explore tiles and hallways and how you use the noise. Um, the queen now was more of a boss type character. And so there's not really a chance to draw her in the first round and die right off the bat. So I think from everything that I'm hearing, this is supposed to be the culmination of all the stuff they've learned from all the other nemesis games and to kind of give the fans one last shot, no pun intended. And I really doing some decent alien damage. The, the standard version of this has standees. Again, this is kind of unprecedented. There's a standee version for only $69. And there's also a special edition version where it comes with the miniatures for 109 And of course, there's the great like $189 for, for all the Nemesis stuff if you want all the deluxe things for this one. Or you can go $300 and get all the Nemesis things from years past. Um, there are a few expansions thrown in. And, and of course, there's some extra stuff you can add on as well. But most of the gameplay, anything you would need for the Nemesis, for the Nemesis experience, they say, is already in the box, whichever one you get. And at the time of recording this, they are at uh, over 27,000 backers and over $7 million. Yowzers. This is the third game of this, Dean. And people are still coming out in droves. And and I feel like the backers are half. Think about this. So when Nemesis first came out, which by the way is like number 21 or something, in the BGG top 100. Um, I forgot to confirm that, but it's up there somewhere. But Nemesis had like 30,000 backers on Kickstarter and raised 3.8 million. And then Lockdown, Nemesis Lockdown, the sequel, which was a riff on the first game's mechanics, had 42,000 backers. It made 6.5 million. This one's at like almost mm. half the backers and has made um, more money. I guess people are finally coming in and going, oh, here's my chance. I'm going to get it all. I, I don't well, know. But- that's what I was, I was about to ask you, Darren. So I'm trying to pull it up, but it's not pulling up yet. Um, you said you pay $300 to get everything. What does that mean? That's not actually everything that came out for the set. And so I want to say it's, it's like 189 for all the deluxe stuff for this particular game. And mm-hmm. my computer is messing up the, if you wanted to get everything, all things nemesis, I want to say that is the 300 and something dollar pledge. If I can find it. But but yeah, so it's like 69 for the standard of retaliation, 109 for the miniature version of retaliation. And then it's like 189 if you want the play mats and some other non-essential things, but com- the stuff that comes with retaliation. But it's over 300 for the all things Nemesis pledge, I believe. Uh, mm. Pulling it up now. I it's hope- a lot to wade through. I'm on here right now, so... If nothing else, this does win the award for the longest uh, crowdfunding page ever. <laughs> it is constant it is. scrolling. <laughs> this is. is ridiculous. I'm not even going to find it. You can look it up for your for yourself. Um, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Nope, just found it. So the trilogy pledge with miniatures is three hundred and forty five dollars. If you wanted to jump in and get everything, Nemesis, but you can't, ah, oh, crap, what just happened? 
What, what, what is, does that mean? I guess I, I don't know if you can see that yet. You say everything, but that's not all the things that have ever been created for Nemesis. If you wanted Correct. all the things that have ever been created for Nemesis, that would be nine hundred dollars. That's the Master Collection pledge. That's all the play mats, all the the plushies, everything extra ridiculous you could imagine. If you just want like all the gameplay stuff for all three, that's three forty five. Okay. So my wife's been asking what I want for Christmas and I haven't had a good answer yet because I really don't know. I don't think I want a board game. What I do want is $900 pledge of Nemesis. I don't think she's going to go <laughs> going to go for that. Wow. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's worth a shot. You know What a great game this is though. I really, I've not played Lockdown. I've only played the original. Oh man, I really want, by the way, it's it's number one, uh, 21 overall. The, it is, okay. The original. Good. The original Nemesis. So, yeah, man, I'll tell you what. If I had $1,000 laying around, and I assure you I don't have $1,000 <laughs> laying around, I probably still wouldn't put it towards this, but I would be super tempted because I love this game. Uh, okay, I got to stop looking at all this. I, I'm intrigued. Yep, I wasn't super intrigued by Lockdown because I was like, I don't really need this. And I probably, if I dug into it, I'd probably feel the same way about Retaliation, especially since I'd never get my copy played of the original. But I'm good with, I, I'm I'm kind of moving away with, from not feeling like I need everything for games now because they end up sitting in the box or yeah. they end up sitting in 30 other boxes on the shelf. And I don't have the space for that. And so even with expansions, unless it's just something that really changes the game and makes it so much better i don't feel the need to have all that stuff so i'd be fine just picking up the retail although retail with miniatures i would want the deluxe version of this but if 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 i did not already have all the miniatures in the other games i would get the standee version but yeah i feel like since i have all the miniatures and everything else and a lot of these things can be sort of cross compatible there i feel like i've got to go miniatures on this one yeah Okay, well, that's cool. I mean, I'm intrigued by that. Check that on uh, GameFound. That is the Nemesis Retaliation. I am going to throw... I've got two more items. I'm going to do these pretty rapid fire. I'll do one, and then you do one or two, and then... Anyway, we'll go pretty fast to these last ones. The Crew Family, which is a Swiss Family Robinson version of this one. There's not a whole lot of information that I'm seeing, especially looking at the uh, Board Game Geek introduction to this it's um it takes crew for planet nine which is the original one of the game and it puts it in the setting of the swiss family robinson and so it says the players find themselves stranded on a deserted island and have to find their way around together eating sleeping making decisions how will the adventure end um if you are familiar with those other crew games if you're not familiar with them they are uh not deck building game they are trick-taking games but they are cooperative trick-taking games where you are trying to complete these different missions and then move on to the next one. The original one had, I think, 50 missions in it. Second one played very similar to that, except it added this deck of cards that made things really interesting and changed like the way that the missions played out. This seems interesting, and I don't know anything beyond what this says, but does it not seem like it could have an element of like a choose-your-own-adventure type thing? Like maybe maybe different paths that you can take. I, again, this is all speculation that I've got. Uh, even in the forums, I don't see a whole lot of like concrete information. 
Yeah, I feel like if they don't go that route, that could be a real missed opportunity there because they could easily do it because, you know, the guidebooks have always been really simple anyway. Yeah, it's just a little bit of flavor text to give you a reason of why these goals are changing. But so I think they could definitely do that. That would really, I think, spice up that whole um, mission book guidebook kind of scenario. You could even uh, uh, there's a lot of different ways they can go on this. You could make this a legacy game. Um, it doesn't say anything about that, so my guess is it's probably not. You could add in different cards to change things up um, as you know, as potentially you go down these different paths. So you make it, I mean, it's already a cam- campaign game, but you could make it a little more non-linear campaign, I guess, with, uh, I don't know. What if it's Robinson Crusoe, the trick-taking game? where you have certain mission cards where bad things happen that come back to bite you literally <laughs> later on in the game. That would Wait be cool. <laughs> Sounds familiar, Darren. <laughs> this is uh is, is this a, a co-design with portal games? <laughs> Maybe that would be really Maybe cool. so. That'd be awesome. Don't give any more of our d- design ideas <laughs> out to the internet, Darren. Yours already has been stolen Dude. by Hershey. Dude, nobody's they- listening anyway. They are not, and they don't care about our asinine ideas for games either. So anyway, I'm intrigued by that. Probably a lot of other people are too, because the crew is a big, huge hit of a game for me and people I've played with. So I don't, and and I think the world, because it was also a, a Spiel des Jahres winner, I think. Is that right? At least uh, a nominated I game. So. I think it was a winner. Right, yeah. yeah, for sure. That yep. is the crew family. Uh, I've got two games that are coming out here real soon. We'll go ahead and, and throw at you two announcements. Um, Unmatched, you know, you know that Dean and I are big Unmatched fans here on the show. Uh, they've just announced they're coming out with a new set, or two new sets actually, in the Witcher world, which I just, I don't, why am I grumpy Darren of this episode? Why did you turn me into this? I, I, I don't care about the Witcher. Uh, that's great. I'm glad that you do. I know many people love the books. They love the shows. I can't even pronounce any of their names. I'm not going to try. I'm just here to tell you that if you're a Witcher fan, Unmatched is coming out for you. There's going to be two sets, Steel and Silver and Realms Fall. I don't know what any of that means, but if that means something to you, then awesome, because you've got a great game coming your way. Intrigued by this. Uh, it's going to bring in new people into this game, which I think is really good. I don't know much about Witcher. I've seen like some trailers and stuff for the video game, but that's it. That's really all. I've not played the video game, not seen anything, not read anything. My sister likes this one though. And so gotcha. it would be interesting. And they like board games. So I'm. this could be one that I might pick the, up for, you know, pick up for them at some point in in the future. So excited about this in in that sense. I'm also excited that it's not one that I feel like I need to pick up, which is good. I need a little bit of a break from Unmatched. Not from the game, but just from spending so much money on it, I guess. Yeah, I was waiting for the set that would come out that could help me stop being the gotta-have-it-all guy with Unmatched. I've collected everything up to this point, except for Sun's Origin, which is still on pre-order, and now uh, this one. So now I can finally say, okay, whew, I don't have to have everything now. What a, what a psychological relief that is off, off my brain. But yeah, I think this is coming out, I want to say, um, around mid uh, mid-2024. And also very quickly, Cthulhu Dark Providence. This is one that we've mentioned before. This is the CMON game that is their re-implementation of um, A Study in Emerald, the Martin Wallace game that was set, well, that, was, that sort of its setting was combining the Sherlock Holmes and the Cthulhu mythos. And so 
Uh, that game, Study in Emerald, is now being reworked, retooled, redone by CMON. And that's going to be Cthulhu Dark Providence because it is now set in the Cthulhu Death May Die board gaming universe. We've talked about this before. So the real news here is that pre-orders are now available. They're actually launching at one o'clock today, the day we are recording this podcast. So by the time you hear this, you can go on Simon's website, assumingly so, and pre-order this game if this is something that speaks to you. We've talked about it before, so I won't say much else, but I know this is one that I'm very excited about because I've not gotten into the Cthulhu Death May Die games, but I would like to. I've always wanted to play Setting Emerald and just haven't had a chance yet. I love Sherlock Holmes. I love Cthulhu. This um, this is one I'm going to pick up. Dean, is this one that, that you have any interest in? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I have the the old game of this, but... Uh, that you've not played, it, right? That I've not played. Mm-hmm. The art is phenomenal on this new version. So I'm, I'm going to look at this one for sure. My guess is I probably won't pick it up. Um, it's, it's a difficult game to get to the table, which is what it's what I'm seeing with the original. That's why I've not gotten it to the table because it's, it takes the right people. And it also, you have to have three players for this one as well. So, uh, uh, maybe not the new version. Sorry. You, you said that probably, and I was looking at something else, but, um, the old version, you have to have three players. I did not say that, so I was unaware of that. Okay. But yeah, so that if that means something to you, I don't know if that's a part of this version or not. I don't think so. I think it plays. Um, I want to say it's two to five, but I could be wrong on that. I, it seemed like I read that somewhere that it was going to be two players. Um, so that that again, that would be the reason why I picked this up. Also, the art, and and I'll interested to look to see what changes. Um, in this one, it's, it's such a weird design. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, you got to find the right group. Um, but a lot of people really like this game. So weird is not necessarily bad. It's just different. Uh, I misspoke. It is one to five players and which is perfect for me. I'm the right person, Dean, put it on the pile and, uh, (laughs) let's make it happen. Oh boy. All right. Well, speaking of making it happen and speaking to one player games. Um, oh, by the way, say that name again. Sorry. The one you were just talking about. Cthulhu Dark Providence. There we go. Last element, uh, last uh, item, excuse me, of news that we have is the, it's not really that new of news, but it is Heat Pedal to the Metal Expansion. This is the, um, oh my goodness heavy rain i think it's not listed on bgg it doesn't have its own entry yet even though there's lots of information out there about this um darren and i both love heat i think it made both of our lists this last year for um our favorite games and uh this one i'm I'm trying to find out when it releases that's the biggest item that i couldn't find and maybe you can find that somewhere but i think that you can pre-order it in certain places i'm just not sure where but let me go ahead and explain a few things that this does. One, it adds a new player. Um, so you've got the orange player now bringing the total of of heat now up to seven players, I think that would be. You can play seven players because the original one plays one, two. My internet is so slow. I, usually I can lead into those much better. One to six, that's right. One to six, and then the expansion adds that seventh player. It's in orange color. It adds two new maps, which is the uh, Japan and Mexico map. Um, there was an interview done a while back with the designer, and it talks about some of the differences, but that was, if I remember right, back in like April. 
And so I'm not sure how much has changed, but the big thing that I could see, you had also had new cards and things like that. So there's elements of like the campaign that will come into play is my guess. But the big mechanism change is going to be the water. And if I understand this correctly, you've got these water spaces. If you look at the Japan map um, um, that you can see on any of those photos that have released, you've got these uh, puddles of water that go, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight spaces, and usually around the curves. And what those do is they will make you spend a heat in order to uh, be able to leave those spaces. And so, um, uh, excuse me, if you want to, if you want to downshift in those spaces, um, you're going to have to um, spend a heat even to downshift one, you know, in the original one, you can downshift or upshift one without spending any heat or gaining any heat. And if you go up two, then you got to get heat. But in this one, if you're in the water spaces, you will need to get the heat just to shift up at all, which I think is really interesting. And there's a decent amount of water on the board and seemingly you can't avoid it. Um, which I think that's also interesting. And so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, uh, the other differences that happen on this one. It also seems like there's an element of heat that instead of getting rid of heat from your hand, you can get rid of it from your discard pile. Maybe that's in certain locations. I'm, and that might be the Mexico map. I'm not positive on that one. That That's one I just saw some speculative things on BGG. So I don't know how much of that is true, but it does seem like there's other elements, uh, other rules, uh, pieces to this that I'm just not aware of. But it's a no-brainer. It, I didn't need to know any of that. New map and new car is all I needed. And then I'll pick this one up. For sure. Yep, for sure. Very excited about this one. And it looks like it's supposed to come to retail at the end of March in 2024. Ooh, March is going to be an expensive month, it sounds like. It always is. The end of quarter one is always gets brutal. Yeah. So that's going to be me picking up Lorcana, Star Wars <laughs> Unlimited, and now this new Heat expansion, which I, if you have Heat and like it, I, I, I do think this one's just going to be a no-brainer for most of us, if not all of us. You can also, um, in my searching for the information about this, I found that there's lots of different maps that you can get in the file section on BGG and places you can print these out. And people have some really big maps uh, that I've seen on there. So that's interesting to check out too. If you are if you can't wait till March and you're like, I need more maps now, go to BGG file section and, and look up and find out ways that you can print that out. Yep, that'll be good. Sorry, kids, no Christmas this year. Daddy needs board games. <laughs> All right, I believe that is going to do it for the news. Let's get on to our review of Nova Roma. Dean, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? Do you remember this TikTok craze back in the fall, late summer, early fall? Vaguely, I guess. I don't I, I've I've heard somebody ask that question. I don't know if I knew that that was a TikTok craze. Apparently, men think about the Roman Empire daily. Do you think about the Roman Empire daily? Oh, no, no, no. I know where it was. One of my students asked me that months ago. Uh, no, I don't. I don't either. This whole Weekly? thing is bogus. I'll, I'll say this. as a If I were not in board games, I don't know if I would ever think about the Roman Empire. Or, that was the... or a, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, say that was my answer. When a student asked me the same thing, they introduced me to this whole craze that was going on. I said, well, if there's a board game about it, <laughs> then that would be it. That's the only way I'm thinking. 
Uh, my- the fact that I'm a minister too, that also <laughs> plays into it. So I guess in those two aspects, but if I wasn't a minister and I wasn't into board games, I probably wouldn't think about the Roman Empire. Right. Well, you mean like aqueducts don't just, you know, come to your mind or roads or do you ever watch movies about gladiators, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the line or something from? I have no uh, idea what you're talking was, about. Oh, it was Airplane, wasn't it? It was something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's been a minute since I've seen that. Sorry. i tell you one part of Rome that I have been thinking about here recently, and that is the game Nova Roma, which is our feature review today. That is a game that just recently was delivered to Kickstarter just a, a month or so ago. And this is designed by Stan Kardonsky. The art is by The Micho and published by Stan's company, Half a Kingdom Games. It plays one of four players, plays in 60 to 120 minutes. And this is a worker placement area majority contract fulfillment game where you are the head of an ancient noble Roman house helping Emperor Constantine establish his new capital of Nova Roma. On your turn, you're going to send out one of your three patrician meeples into the forum, which is a four by four action selection grid that's surrounded by eight different action tiles. So when you place your patrician in the grid, you're going to end up taking two actions, one that coincides with the column that you're in and one that coincides with the row that you're in. Then your opponents will go around placing their patricians in an unoccupied spot and then back and forth, round and round, you'll go until you're all out of patricians. But as you can see, as you start doing that, spots are going to start getting tight and become less and less available. And so, so you're taking actions in that way. Also, the power with which you can take those actions will increase, um, get stronger, depending on how many other patricians you have in that same row or column. Not, not your opponents, but yours. So you can actually have stronger actions if you've got you know two or three people um, in that row or column. Or you can increase the power of that action if the emperor is in the same row or column, because at the beginning of the round, the first player is going to flip over this emperor tile, which will give them some options um, of where they can place the emperor. And so there's there's five tiles because there's only five rounds that you're going to be playing. Uh, and then after the fifth round, you're going to count up all your points. And yes, most of the scoring will take place at the end of the game after the fifth round, and whoever has the most points wins. But before we get into our discussion about the other stuff, here are just a few of the actions that you're going to be taking. One thing you can do in the game is you can trade, and that is you can just gain money uh, for whatever power uh, that you're taking that action for, and you can also spend money to gain resources. And resources are things like uh, wheat and stone and wood and wine and horses, because there's racing involved. Uh, You can take an upgrade action where you can increase your influence uh, in the area, and that's going to let you add estate tiles to your player board, uh, which can give you certain benefits uh, if you take the produce action, because there's a produce action that's going to let you acquire artisans, a different kind of worker meeple, and you can place those out into your player slash estate board to generate resources. You know, your, your player board also has a grid on it. But instead of taking actions in rows and columns, you're going to be gaining resources based on what row or column that you're in. You can take a building and sailing uh, action, which lets you fulfill certain contracts and lets you place uh, cubes in an area majority type situation if you're taking the building contract action. Or you can sail your ship meeples around, around the sea when taking the sailing action for points or other bonuses that come along with that. You can take a race action, which lets you move tokens 
and collect bonuses by racing chariots at the Hippodrome part of the board. And you can recruit. Um, the recruit action is almost like a modified deck building where you can collect and play player cards that give you various benefits into your tableau area. And lastly, uh, each player also has a randomized mosaic board that lets you claim certain achievements as free actions, which can give you, you know, maybe like an immediate points and goods, uh, or it can also give you some in-game points if you claim achievements in certain orthogonal or diagonal lines. There's a lot going on here, as you can as you can tell, but, but that's just kind of scratching the surface and a basic general overview of how you play the game Nova Roma. How do you feel about that explanation, Dean? I fell asleep. What'd you say? You want to start that <laughs> over for me? All be, right. Nova great. Roma, recently released 2023. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think that was great. I, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of different actions in, in areas of the board that you can go to. And so it's, it's kind of difficult without looking at a board to, to really kind of take that in, I think. Um, but, yeah. but I think you did a great job, Darren. Well, hey, thanks for your positivity, Dean. Speaking of the board, how did you feel about the arts and components of this game? Well, D'Amico is a fantastic artist, and I like the art on this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. I also think the the components are really well done. I, I like when people put the... Um, uh, like screen pressed, um, screened images on the meeples. Mm-hmm. Um, this one gave me a feel of the kind of the new Coliseum, not the new new Coliseum that's coming out next year, two years or whatever, but the the deluxe version that came out by TMG a couple years ago, where it's got like the one color screen printed on the on the meeples, but it's actually good on this one. So I I think that's cool. Um. No complaints. I I think the art and in the this is one where I feel like you need to have good good graphic design because there are so many places to go and things to do and the cards have symbols and all that. It really needs to be clear. Now, none of that's going to feel clear the first time you play any game, right? Because there's so much stuff. But I do think that they did a good job with the with the graphic design and and I feel like you know, I had questions for you whenever we were playing this, but overall I felt like it was, it was clear once I kind of had an idea of what was going on. Yeah. I had questions for me too. Uh, I did. I like the graphic design. I really appreciate their desire to have all of the information for every action on the board. Cause for every space for every action you're taking, there's some space on the board that has a big symbol of that action and kind of gives you some icons and let you know what your options are in doing that. I appreciate their attempt to do it. It was a little confusing for me and my and my little brain in the way that I have a hard time processing lots of information at once. It made it challenging um, for me, but I'm glad it's there. It, it's not the most intuitive, um, not the most intuitive graphic designer icons for me in the way my brain works. It takes me a little while to distinguish between why this. Um, this white patrician looking icon is different from this gray patrician looking icon or why this green check on this card is different from this other card that doesn't have the green check. You know, it's once you start interpreting some of that, it's very helpful and it is all there on the board for you. They have the rule book is really good at explaining certain things. There's a few misprints in the rule book, but they're very clear on BGG about how the, it's basically just the, the names on the cards 
don't match all the names in the rule book. There's maybe three or four cards where the names are different. But if you go to BGG under files in the rule book, it explains which ones are which. But uh, the, the rule book is very clear in how it describes that. There's a great reference for all the actions on the back of the rule book, as well as being on the board. They've got player raids, yay for player raids, that, that describe a lot of stuff. They've really gone out of their way to make this as approachable as possible because there is, like you said, a whole lot going on here. Yeah, and before we get started with the um, with the gameplay and all that good stuff, what I do want to say is I have only played this one time. I want to be very clear about that. Normally when we do full-on reviews, we like to play games multiple times and get a good feel of it. So from my perspective, this is really going to be a, uh, a as our friend Tim would say, a board game hot take. As, mm. our, as our friends with the board game hot takes do, that's what I'm going to do today. It's going to be a, and again, my only play, but also it's a two-player play. And so there's some rule changes that happen there. And so I just want to be upfront about all that. So you can really take my thoughts with a grain of thought as if with a grain of salt, if you didn't already do that anyway, that, that might be the way that you approach this show, but especially do that today. Well, you, you mentioned the gameplay. Do you want to go in and start talking about some of that? Yeah, yeah. So this one, when you look at reviews and, and hear some things people talk about it, this one gets compared to, I'm going to throw this out at the very beginning, Trajan. Um, this is a very different game than Trajan for sure. But the comparisons are that it's you know thematically similar. You're doing this one mechanism that determines the actions that you take. And there's lots of different actions that you can take. All of that feels very Trajan-esque. Now, Trajan uses a Mancala uh, mechanism that is on your personal board. And so when I do that, I'm taking actions based on what I've already kind of figured out. Now, this one, you have a central location, like Darren said, and you're putting your meeple out there to determine your action, your patrician. And that's, that is a really clever way of taking actions, I think, especially with the buildup of it. Now, I, I would say this is my favorite mechanism of the game is this piece of where do I put this to take, you know, two different actions. But also, I'm going to get a boost from this thing being on there that's going to help. In the, and then also, I can boost my own actions. And I maybe want to block a spot from Darren. And all that is really interesting. And maybe even a little bit of the AP producing. You got a little uh, analysis paralysis. I did for sure um, in, in this one. Even though you kind of have an idea of what you want to do from, from turn to turn, round to round, I still found myself sitting there staring at it, trying to figure out what, what my best option would be. Yeah. And I think this is what that, that mechanism was what sold me on the game because, you know, I had Trajan. I was like, do I need another Roman game? That's kind of does some similar things, but just watching that action selection forum work like, dude, I, I really, I've got to have this one. I got to try it. I got to play it. Um, that was, that, that was what got me. And yeah. And having, having gone through it a few times, cause I was very AP prone as well the more sense that those those icons can start to make, um, it really can make some fast, quick, snappy turns, uh, regardless of what other people are doing, because you just feel a little more comfortable with, all right, well, I'm going to get extra power here, and this looks like this. Okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, so yeah, that that does speed up after a while. It can be a really a really fast game. That is just so much fun. It's a simple game. You put the patrician down, you take the two actions. Like, that's that's it. Like that's the whole game, but that's almost like saying the Vitalis Erda. All you're doing is just playing a card. And then there's 10 things that happen after that, you know? So it, it has a little bit of that feel, but, uh, but yeah, it can be, it can be really quick. Um, the more and more you, you get into it. 
But I like I like the way the mosaic board comes into play because that actually gives you a, a direction, which is really mm-hmm. helpful. So it's a board where you're placing your achievement tokens on there as you achieve the different um, things that happen. And it'll give you bonuses and in-game scoring and things like that. Potentially a lot of in-game scoring. I got a lot of points for my, for my mosaic board. But more so what I like about games when you have lots of different options is if it kind of shows you a path that you could take. And I think that's an excellent, excellent way of doing it. But it also doesn't really like necessarily lock you in because it gives you what nine different options one two three four five six seven eight yeah nine different options on the mosaic board some of them might go hand in hand you know you might have something that will give you points if you're putting out more stuff on your uh on your estate board and you know getting more tiles out there or getting more follower cards or you know whatever and you might have some that are multiple so i'm like okay this one gives me points if i get followers and this one also does if i get followers and tiles or something like that and so that you know i'm, I'm going to start collecting followers and i like that quite a bit and, and trying to figure out the puzzle because otherwise i just feel like you're just blindly kind of going into it like i guess i'll just try this because it looks cool so i like that yeah and, and keep in mind your mosaic board is going to be different every single game because it's made up of three tiles that are just kind of chosen randomly and uh so even though a lot of the actions can be similar they're going to be in different places different types of actions and so that's going to be um something that's going to add to your, to your challenge or to your focal point, you know, each, each game. I'm somebody that needed some kind of direction. So me going back and playing it again solo after our play was the first time that I could really look at that mosaic board and go, Oh, I should have paid a whole lot more of attention to to this just to get me started on something to help the game open up in some ways. Mm-hmm. And what's neat too, not just the three tiles, but the three different levels and mm, they get right. more and more difficult with the bottom levels. But another interesting piece is, you do, you're limited on your, your achievement, um, tokens. And so you're limited on the ones that you start off with, but then also you can, you can unlock some with the Hippodrome tracker. So you're going to need to make sure that you go, you know, on that, but you still are going to have to make decisions because you're not going to be able to complete the entire mosaic board, which I like that. Initially, I thought I wouldn't like that. I thought I want to fill this thing up. I can, if I can do it, let me fill it up. But no, it it really makes you, uh, you know, hold off. Like, do I want to fulfill this achievement that I've completed that's going to give me a coin or going to give me an extra bonus? Or do I want to hold off because I think later in the game I can do this one that's going to give me more points. And then if I'm connecting, you know, vertically or horizontally on these different paths and I'm going to get even more points. And I, I think that's really interesting. It makes even more decisions. This game has a lot of that, like, this thing's cool, but then there's this extra level of it that makes it even cooler. Yeah. And as so many of the different mechanisms are connected in various ways. And so that's, that's kind of a question I wanted to ask you and see how you thought now that you've had a time to, to marinate on this a little bit. Uh, how did you feel all the different actions, all the different mechanisms were related? Because you've got the area control with the building contracts. You've got moving up the, the Hippodrome track with the racing of the chariots to get those achievement uh, tokens unlocked. You've got the the follower cards that you're trying to to pick up and play and have this tableau that's going to give you bonuses for certain actions. And these other tiles you're upgrading on your player board where you're putting out not just patricians, but artisans to gain resources. How did you feel all those different elements uh, intertwined? Well, so when I play a game and I'm exploring it for the first time, I really do want to explore and get a little bit of a feel for everything that I can. 
Uh, this is a game you probably should have a little more focus than what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I barely won this one, if I remember right, when we played it. But No, you trounced me. Okay. It was the end of but game no, scoring no. on that mosaic board. Yeah, yeah, because we were oh, close. Oh. And the other right, game we right. played, this one, you uh, you really ran away with it at the end, which you tend to do <laughs> against me in those first play games. Well, so one of the things that made a big difference in game during the game was the, uh, what, what did I just call it? The Hippodrome, Hippodrome mm-hmm. Tracker. Um, so you've got three different tracks and your chariot tokens are going to flip over to determine what's going to score, you know, which, which of those tracks going to score. Or there's different ways, like it could be multiple tracks or whatever, but usually it's i think one track is going to score you this amount of points if you're the farthest along in this track now a negative that i had was that the same one flipped over three times in a row the same track and that is unfortunate for darren when i am that that was a track that i just happened to go up on because it was the one that darren didn't go up on i was like well i guess i'll just do this one and then luckily i got points for all of those, I think, every time that that one flipped mm-hmm. over, I think it was three. Maybe it was just two, but it was a lot of points that I got from that. And it was just kind of a, a lucky thing that happened. Wasn't my favorite, but it's, you know, it kind of, it, it was what it was, I guess. And, and that's something that I could have done as well. I could have tried to to catch you on some of those tracks. But again, trying to explore, doing other things, you're hoping, well, maybe that's not going to have as big of an influence as as it could. But it did. <laughs> that in the mosaic board because you were killing those achievements as well because you were doing so well on the hippodrome track so you had some of those um, and i did have a couple areas i spent a lot of my time on the building contracts which i like mm-hmm. that it's the that spatial element in the polyomino of putting your cubes out and and doing cool things over there but that gives you a lot of points at the end of the game and i ended up getting some points some of the cards not all of the cards maybe even not a lot of the cards that flipped out in our game give you in-game scoring end game scoring uh, but i got one that happened to come out at the right time where i was like wow i've got a lot of that stuff already so i'm going to take this card and i ended up getting a lot of points from that one too but it, it's cool but you know it feels like a feld everything you do is going to give you lots and lots of points it feels maybe may heavier than some of the felds that i play but it still has that same element of like, I can do anything and get points, but mm-hmm. what's the best thing? And that's, that's the part you really got to focus on. What are the few things that I can do and do really well to get to maximize my points? And uh, that, that's what this game is about. Yeah. And it's not going to be just, I'm going to put my head down and how can I maximize my efficiency puzzle because of that action selection forum there, because people are competing for spots. And so you're not always going to be able to do exactly what you think you want to do. There's always going to be something you can do that can be beneficial, but that player interaction of jockeying for for position there is uh, is one of the things that really helps that that I think makes it interesting for me. Because if it was just head down and, you know, do your efficiency puzzle, um, maximize your efficiency puzzle, I might not be as interested. But because we have some some interaction there on the board, even at two-player, because one thing we didn't mention yet, the two-player rules, and it's similar to the solo rules. They they add these uh, these red legionnaire meeples that, that once you've placed your patrician and you've taken your two actions, you're also placing a legionnaire somewhere else in the spot. That's going to take up a, a just it just takes up an empty space, so it limits the spots. And you're both doing that in a two player game to kind of simulate a third p- player being there. In the solo rules, something similar happens where you know you you flip over the emperor tile, you place the emperor. 
you place your patrician, you take your two actions, and now you flip over another emperor tile and you're taking two legionnaires to take up two spots. And you do that um, like like after every turn that you take, you're placing more of these legionnaires out there. So it takes up some of those spots. So there is that interaction that's happening, uh, whether someone's there playing with you or not, which I've really enjoyed enjoyed about the game. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm going to go back to Trajan for just a second and talk about, you know, Trajan, you do all these different activities and, you know, you travel in Trajan and you can go to the Senate and all this cool stuff. This has that. There's nothing particularly interesting about any of those locations by themselves. You know, it's like there is polyomino, but it's like a light polyomino thing. There is putting out tiles that on your player board, your estate board or whatever, that will give you resources whenever you get some of your um, artisans out there. Um, nothing particularly interesting about the sailing action. Nothing particularly interesting about the the hoplite track or, or anything, you know, right? I mean, they're, they're all pretty basic actions that you take but it's okay because that central grid where you take the actions is interesting and all the other stuff comes together to become interesting and i i like that quite a bit um i will say in the two-player game i'm gonna go back to that grid and just for just a second the two-player game the uh legionnaires that you use to block those spots was not my favorite um because it 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 changes the way the game plays. Now, when I, most of the time when I play this game, if I'm playing with three players, I would just take my action right, and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be too concerned about what you're doing unless it also benefits me. In a two player game, you're doing things really just to be mean to the other player by putting the legion legionnaire in spots that they want to take, and that shifts it a little bit. I don't really know what you do about that. Um, you could play without just, you could just play without the Legionnaire. You could play by randomly putting the Legionnaire out there, but I don't know if that's the best solution either. And I think a lot of people might not have a problem with the Legionnaires. For me, I just didn't like that extra mean element. And Darren and I, the way that we played it, sometimes we'd play mean, but a lot of times it was just like, well, I don't, I'm just not going to pay attention to what you're doing. I'm just going to put it in an area that I know will not hurt me. So that's going to depend on the group that you're playing with, but you could get really, uh, you can get mean with those. Yeah, you really could. Yeah, most of the time I was just randomly sticking it out there because I didn't want to slow up the game, you know, any more than yeah. And you, know, you could already potentially, especially like on a first play, which was one reason why I've really enjoyed like doing this solo because it just tells you, okay, here, put them here. And I wonder if you wanted to, if you didn't want to be mean, could you almost? And again, I'm not a house rule person. But if you kind of implemented the solo rules into the house rule, I mean, into the two-player game in a sense, where you just keep flipping over a tile and then it gives you those options and you place a legionnaire in one of those two spots, um, mm. you know, just to, again, simulate that third player without specifically trying to calculate what's going to hurt you or be better for me, or as opposed to just randomly willy-nilly putting it down. You know, if you played the solo rules with those tiles, I wondered if that would work because it tells you where to put them. Yeah, I'd be interested to to see if anybody's tried that. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people might not impact them anyway. They might not care enough about that. But Some people me, want to be mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> for me, and, and it's not like crazy mean, because there's right. always spots that you can take that are going to be beneficial. There might just be some that are a lot more beneficial. Yeah. But that's, that's just kind of my thoughts. Again, that's only on the two-player version of it. So... 
Um, that's really it for me. I, I mean, th- the big negatives for me were were those, and that's not even a huge negative. And the tiles that the chariot tiles that kept coming up as the same thing, also not a huge negative because that can happen in a lot of games, and you just kind of have to prepare for that as best you can. Yeah. Well, you ready for some final thoughts, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm more intrigued to hear about yours, so I'll, I'm going to just jump into mine, Darren. Okay. Um, the, the again, going back to that central board, the grid where you take your actions, I think is really good. I, I like that a lot. The spaces, other the actions that you're taking, your player board, all of that other stuff that's going on. Again, nothing super exciting, but that I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like there's nothing crazy innovative about that. But it all comes together well, I think. And so I really like this game quite a bit. I, I hesitate to give it a score, which is why I'm going to stick at an eight on this one, um, because I do really like it. And at this point, I don't think I'm going to turn down a play. If you say, let's play this, I would say, yeah, absolutely. This is a great game. Uh, I like it a lot. I wonder if that could drop based on the fact that would it get lost in the mix? You know, I own Trajan. Do I need both? I don't know if I do. I want both, you know, but I don't know if I need them. If I'm having to make a decision, I might, since I already have Trajan, just stick with it, even though they're not the same game. Don't misunderstand me. I I hate to make those comparisons like that sometimes, but if you're tight in space and you have to make a decision, you start making comparisons like that. So I probably prefer Trajan. I do. I prefer Trajan um, if I'm making the comparison, but this game is really fantastic and it's its own game, its own thing. The action selection is actually maybe even better than the Moncala. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really good though. All over the place on that one, but I'll stick with an eight. <laughs> eight is great. Uh, yeah, for, for me, I like, like I said, I'm loving the action selection grid. I love the the production of the game. It's definitely a more inviting game than say something like Trajan. Eventually, you know, we're going to have to do a showdown uh, or or maybe I'll just do a personal showdown with, with this and Trajan just, just to see. Because like you said, it does feel like a failed, but it also feels like a Stan Kardonsky game. You know, I'm, I'm a Stan fan. I like how his games feel. I can see the connections with this and, you know, one of his other uh, Half a Kingdom games, the Resurgence that came out. I like how he uses the the resource track where you don't have a whole bunch of resource tokens. You have one of each type of resource token for each player. And you're just moving them up and down a track. You know, one, it keeps down production costs. It just, you know, makes things a little simpler. I love, I love that. I can feel the connections with research. I can feel the connections with Endless Winter, Paleo Americans, even though that was a Fantasia game, but all the different mechanisms that I love and how they are intertwined and how at first it can really feel overwhelming, but really you're taking simple actions. It's just kind of a matter of, you know, how I can, can best do those, um, better. And maybe before my, my opponent does. So I like how all that works. I'm still not hundred percent sold. I don't, I don't, I don't know how I feel necessarily about how almost all of the scoring happens at the end of the game. You know, I think, some of the only immediate scoring you get is off the the sailing actions and and maybe some of the stuff off the mosaic board, but most of the other points are all going to happen at the end. So sometimes that's kind of hard to tell where you stand in the game. <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. So if you're getting hammered, you don't know it. So you're going to keep playing with all you got until the end. So I'm still not quite sure how I feel about about that. And like I said, there's a lot of icons here. This feels a little more confusing for me than Endless Winter does. Um, the icons and the action, those kind of things. I'm still having a little bit of harder time of 
of, of soaking it all in. My brain, it just goes in a bunch of different places. That's not a game this thing necessarily. That's, that's more of a me thing. So I'm not quite sure what to do with that yet, but I am enjoying it. I love playing it. I want to play more. As of right now, and again, Trajan was a nine for me. It's in the top 50 games. Um, that may go down the longer it is. Right now, this one for me is also an eight, Dean. But I think wow. it's probably going to go up, though, the more I play. Because like even right now, like after playing it solo, I'm like, you know, there's something here that's... Um, that I just need to be able to soak in. Is this one that I'm going to come back to because my brain can handle it? I think when that happens, I'll, next year when we come back and, and look at some of these games, there's a good chance this is going to go up. But for right now, I think it, it's still an eight um, to be conservative here until I get more plays of it. Yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, we're going to be doing our top games of the year. I, I could very well ten- tentatively put this one on my list. I could see that happening because um, this is a great game. My, my problem is I, I would like to get it played more to have a better idea of where that's going to land but but so far this is a this is a good one this is a really good one so that's an eight from both of us a really solid solid pick recommend this one it's going to be coming to the u.s through 25th century games Uh, i don't know the the availability of it right now worldwide Uh, i just know i've seen that 25th century is putting that out here yeah, if you like the the, the crunchy euros uh, that, that are kind of simple to get into with beautiful art and you know nice production, can't go wrong with good old Nova Roma. Good call. All right, well that is it for Nova Roma review. If you would like to get in touch with us, reach out to us at Meepletown Games. You can go to our website meepletowngames.com. Connect with with us at Guild thirty four zero seven on BoardGameGeek, and also our Discord. We can get you a link to the Discord if you reach out to us, um, especially uh, through MeepletownMail at gmail.com. Send us your questions. We need questions so that we have something to talk about on the show that's not just us talking about games. We want to hear the questions you have about games or other things. So reach out to us that way. And until next time, thanks for coming down to MeepleTown. Later. Hey, Dean. Yep. What do you call a Roman with a cold? What's that? Julius Sneezer. <laughs>